0: From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Recently, I attended naloxone training, and I found it so interesting that I invited the presenter to come on HealthLink on Air. So, here with me in the studio today is Dr. Willie Eggleston, a clinical toxicologist and doctor of pharmacy in the Upstate New York Poison Center. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, as a way of putting the number of these opioid do- deaths in perspective, um, tell us for the year 2016. How many people died from opioids?
1: Sure, so the numbers just keep climbing here in the United States. Uh, in the US as, as a whole in 2016, uh, there were roughly 42,000 overdose deaths related to opioids. Uh, across the country. And that's up significantly. Um, as recently as 2011, um, that number is 92% higher than, than what we saw in 2011. Uh, here locally in Onondaga County, we had 126 deaths related to uh, opioid overdose. Um, and that's up from just 33 in 2011. So uh, at a county level, at a state level, we're mirroring the national trends and that we're seeing the numbers continue to climb at, at an alarming rate.
0: Wow. So and we have to go back quite a few years to understand why we're in the situation we're in today, right?
1: Absolutely. It's it's everyone wants to kind of find one reason how we got here and it's it's really multifactorial. There were a lot of of issues that led to this uh overprescribing of opioids, uh a little bit too aggressive uh, of a campaign, maybe from some of the manufacturers making the opioids. Um, but you can really see the numbers start to tick up uh, in 2008, 2010. Uh, and, and now they've brought us to the point that we're at today.
0: All right. So where we are now, we've got more people using heroin and more people are dying. Um, and more people are dying at an increased rate. Right?
1: Yeah. And 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 part of, of how we got here is is that, we recognized back in 2009, 2010, that we were over-prescribing opioids. And as a result of that, more and more people were being diagnosed with opioid use disorder, um, which formerly was, was called addiction. And so we wanted to make sure that we weren't continuing to, to make this a growing problem, and the number of opioid prescriptions as a result of that dropped significantly. Uh, we, we wanted to, to prevent further individuals from becoming addicted to opioids. The problem was is that when that happened, and, and that was something important that needed to happen, but when that happened, we forgot to provide resources for those patients who were already uh, suffering from opioid use disorder. So, in a sense, we, we cut off their supply of opioids, but we d- did that without resources. And so they looked for alternatives. And in a lot of cases, that was heroin.
0: Hero- heroin and synthetic? Opioids? Yeah,
1: synthetic opioids are, are sort of a new problem that we're dealing with. Uh, so drugs like fentanyl and carfentanyl that are are synthetically produced opioids that have made their way into the U.S. and are being sold either as heroin or or just being sold as synthetic opioids. And these drugs are even stronger than heroin. So it takes a much smaller dose to have lethal effects. And because they're being shipped in in such large quantities from places like China. Uh, they're available very, very cheaply, and so uh, a lot of the individuals who are are dealing these these medication dealing these drugs on the street, are turning to these because they can turn a, a higher profit, uh, and and some of our patients are turning to these because sometimes they're available more cheaply,
0: and they're killing. As many or more people. Absolutely. So
1: when you look at those same 2016 statistics, heroin killed uh, just about 15,000 people in the U.S. in 2016. uh, And these synthetic opioids contributed to somewhere around 20,000 deaths. Um, So they've they've even surpassed heroin.
0: Well, let's shift the discussion um, to naloxone and what what this medication is, because it's not a new medicine, right?
1: No, naloxone has been around for a very long time. It's something that anyone who works in the healthcare field will be familiar with. It's an antidote that, when used goes to the sites in your body where opioid drugs work and it kicks those opioid drugs out so that you can reverse the effects. Uh, So that will help people who have overdosed to start breathing again, to start to wake up and can potentially save their life. Uh, Obviously it's just, part of how you would address an overdose. You still want to call 911. You still want to get that patient to a healthcare facility so that they can get the treatment that they need. Uh, but the naloxone itself starts to reverse those effects immediately. The reason it's been in the news so much is is that it's kind of made its way out of the world of healthcare and into uh, our, our normal lives. Uh, so there was a big push to expand access to naloxone to start to try and Prevent some of these opioid-related deaths from happening. It made its way into the hands of EMTs, uh, police officers, firefighters, and in recent years, it's now made its way out into the community. In most states in the U.S., you can walk into a pharmacy and you can buy naloxone without a prescription. The thought being, you know, who's most likely to encounter someone who's overdosed, it's probably going to be a member of of our community. And we want to arm that person with the tools that they need to help that individual uh, while EMS is on their way.
0: So pretty much Good Samaritans, people who would be prepared, maybe the person who would go to the, the trouble of learning CPR might be the person who would go to the trouble of having this... I don't know, in their first aid supplies or Yeah, something. absolutely.
1: And, and the nice part about it is is that the antidote itself is very, very low risk. If you or I were to get a big dose of it right now, nothing would happen to us. So if you're wrong, if it's someone who's having a heart attack, someone who's having a stroke, and you give them naloxone, you're not going to harm them in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so the risk is very low for giving it. And then the benefits can be astronomical because you can reverse the effects of this this drug and you can potentially save that patient's life.
0: Now, does it only work on... Opioid overdoses? Okay. So it,
1: it only reverses the effects of opioids, which is why we really strongly uh, recommend calling 911 before you even give it. Because you want to make sure that, that someone who can help and who has medical training is on the way in case you are wrong. Because there's a lot of other drugs that can make you sleepy and out of it. There's a lot of other medical conditions that can that can make you so that you're not responding. And so we're still giving the antidote in the hopes that it's going to help but we want to make sure that there are resources on their way to to provide the real treatment that that patient might need.
0: Oh, good point. Um this is Upstate's Health Link on air. I'm your host Amber Smith. I'm talking with Dr. Willie Eggleston, a clinical toxicologist with the Upstate New York Poison Center. Now, from what I understand, there's different ways of administering naloxone, um, intramuscular, intranasal, atomizer, nasal spray. You were involved in a, uh, testing these at the State Fair, New York State Fair last year, right?
1: Yeah, the, there's a lot of different ways that you can give it, and and the problem with uh, when it started becoming available to the public was we had no idea which device the public was going to be the most comfortable with and which device they were going to be able to successfully administer in the case of an overdose and we had our of course our, our opinions as to which ones we thought were the best but obviously you want to get data. So at the fair uh, we've now been there twice and while we were there we did a study and we randomized individuals in the public to get one of these three device types whether it was the shot that you give into a muscle, uh, the multi-step nasal atomizer device, or the nasal spray single step device. And what we found was that When patients or when individuals received training, they were able to more successfully give the antidote to a mannequin if they had one of the nasal devices, and they could give it the fastest if they had the single-step nasal device. And in our second running of the trial, uh, we did it again, but without training, to see could folks figure this out with absolutely no experience whatsoever. And on the second running, we found that individuals who had the single-step nasal spray had the highest rate of success with no training. Uh, Those numbers were upwards of 80%. Uh, So that really suggests that if you are going to make this available to the public, the single-step nasal spray device is probably the one that is going to give that person the best chance of saving that other individual's life.
0: So, and that's available um, without a prescription at a pharmacy, Do you know what the cost range is? Are they...
1: So it depends on the day, but it's anywhere from $40 to $50 at the moment. Uh, There are programs in place for individuals who are not able to afford that. So New York State has a program uh, where you can get reimbursement through uh, Medicare and Medicaid uh, if you can't afford your naloxone, Uh, and there is also a large number of opioid overdose education and naloxone distribution programs in New York State. You can find those at the New York State Department of Health's website. And if you contact those programs, a lot of them will provide you with training and naloxone at no charge. Interesting.
0: All right. So walk me through how this works. Um, Let's say that I have this nasal spray that I carry with me and I come across someone who's um, passed out or seems to be unconscious. Sure. What, um, What would you advise me to do?
1: So the general approach to finding uh, someone that you are concerned about is is pretty straightforward. So the first thing you want to do is take a quick look around. Make sure that the scene is safe for you to approach the patient because you certainly don't want to put yourself in harm's way. So once you've I, uh, clearly seen that, that it's safe for you to approach, you're going to approach the person, try and wake them up, hit their shoulder, yell, are you okay? If they're not waking up, they're not responding, that's when you want to make sure that, that help is being notified. Uh, so either yourself or someone who's on scene, make sure that they are calling 911 and they're getting someone there. You can then um, if you suspect an opioid overdose, uh, so someone who has slowed breathing, who's not awake, who has small pupils, uh, they would then be someone you'd want to try and give the antidote to. So if you have the nasal spray, the single step, it's a preloaded device and you're simply going to put the front end, the plunger of that device into the person's nostril, one of their nostrils, and you're going to push down on the other end of the device and that's going to release the drug into their nose. The drug gets absorbed by the blood vessels in the skin on the inside of the nose, and it works within about five to seven minutes after you give it. So if
0: they're not breathing, the medicine will still absorb into their body? Exactly. So
1: it's not like an inhaler where you need to breathe to make the medicine work. The medicine actually gets absorbed right through the skin on the inside of the nostril. Uh, So whether or not they're breathing, they will still absorb the medication.
0: So how soon will I know whether this works?
1: So it really depends on how much drug the person has taken and if you're correct in that it's truly an opioid. It can work as quick as three to four minutes but it can take upwards of seven minutes. Uh, If you have a second dose available and the person hasn't woken up in four or five minutes you can give that second dose uh, to try to get some extra drug on board. But odds are by that time EMS has probably already arrived and, and they can help uh, take over that patient's care.
0: Um, and can you tell me what what will the person be like if they're awakened from being overdosed? Will they be disoriented
1: or? Likely when they first wake up, they will be because they, they have no idea what's going on. They've just woken up. Um, so they will be a little bit disoriented. Uh, do your best to, to keep them calm and let them know that help is on the way. Uh, sometimes because of the delayed effects of the medication you may not even see the person wake up before EMS arrives. Uh, But your best bet is to give the dose, um, put the person on their side because they might throw up as a result of of having the antidote given to them, and then just keep yourself at a safe distance until, until EMS has arrived and keep a close eye on the person.
0: Neat. well we're about to run out of time but I I want to make sure to ask about the Good Samaritan law and what that how that applies in this situation
1: sure so the Good Samaritan law protects individuals who are not working as medical professionals in a healthcare care environment uh, so that they can provide uh, immediate and medical attention to someone who is who is suffering from an overdose or from another medical ailment as long as they are acting in good faith. So if you see someone who's on the street who's unresponsive and you think it's an opioid and you give them naloxone, the good Samaritan law protects you uh, and allows you to do that.
0: And if I'm at a party where there's drugs and I end up having to use my nal- naloxone, I won't get arrested
1: for... Sure. So New York State has laws in place that protect you if you were to call 911 and you were to have some drug on your person. So as long as it's a small quantity just for personal use and you don't have uh, uh, some sort of felony record, um, then you will not be prosecuted as a result of having that in place. I'm certainly not a lawyer. I would refer folks to the New York State Department of Health's website where they they outline the specifics of the Good Samaritan law, and you can take a look at that and see who is protected under that.
0: Well, neat. Well, and we also ought to um, point out that any listeners who are interested in establishing, like, a naloxone training for a group or something, um, can reach out to you at 315 464 8906 to talk about trying to get that set yeah, up.
1: We'd be happy so, to help facilitate that.
0: Appreciate you being here. Uh, my guest has been Dr. Willie Eggleston, a doctor of pharmacy in the Upstate New York Poison Center. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.